Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. On this episode, we talk with Brian Smith, a systems engineer at the University of Washington. Brian has worked in the technology space for over 20 years. We talk about how technology is certainly changing the way we work and absolutely impacting the world around us. My name is Brian Smith, and I'm a systems engineer at the University of Washington in the IT infrastructure division of UW Technology. And translated, what is a what does that <laughs> that person do at a university? So I work on um, engineering projects that involve Microsoft technologies, and I get the opportunity to split my time between. Doing Tier 3 support, so um, I get to interact with uh, users and customers somewhat, and I really enjoy that. And uh, the rest of my time is spent um, in engineering projects to improve the infrastructure. Okay. And how long have you been involved or working in technology? I started about 20 years ago in technology, doing computer repair. It was a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. So I imagine a lot has changed in 20 years. It has. Um, what, uh, what's been the most dramatic or drastic change from 20 years ago to today? From 20 you... years ago today? Yeah. I can think of a few landmark moments. I remember the moment that uh, my friend Seth Macaris showed me this new website called Google. Mm-hmm. That heralded a big change for all of us. And uh, working with Microsoft Technologies has been an interesting roller coaster over the years because when I started Microsoft Tech was dominant in so many areas right and uh, they did business a particular way as a result and uh, there's a new Microsoft now mm-hmm. and they have a different set of offerings and they're less dominant than they were and I think that in some ways it's more interesting okay and why is that? There's a lot of smart folks in Redmond that are mapping out a future that contains uh, a different model of computing that maybe your listeners are already familiar with, and we call it cloud computing. Mm-hmm. But I think um, that that doesn't capture the change for everybody in a in a way that everyone can understand. Mm-hmm. I think utility computing might. Okay. Be a more accurate term because okay. you, you don't, in the same way that you don't want to worry about the generation of your electricity or where your water comes from, in the same way, your your computing resources are will be a utility. You just want it to work, and that model is 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 starting to really uh, dominate Microsoft's businesses, and um, also here in Seattle we have Amazon. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of an exciting time to be in technology when this sea change is mm-hmm. happening and two of the biggest players are right here. Absolutely. And being on a university, um, serving university customers, but that makes up all different kind of stakeholders. So you you do work that serves students, staff, faculty, researchers. Um, how much has how much has the the expectations, I will say, of the stakeholder changed in terms of using the technology? At the University of Washington, do you think? 
That is interesting that you would say that. I, I just had um, a meeting today where we were talking about changing expectations. Okay. So, um, so end-user devices mm-hmm. uh, have changed a lot in that time period. And we were having a discussion today about patching and updating mm-hmm. uh, end-user devices. And the patching and updated has become so much less painful and so much less risky over the years. Okay. The discussion um, leaned towards communicating less with our users about patching. Okay. Because they're just coming to expect it as normal. And in the past, uh, when there was a new version of an operating system, then we had to make an announcement and Mm -hmm. we had to do all this planning and there were going to be a lot of changes and people had to have a lot of training and people would get really nervous that something was going to go wrong and that the infrastructure wouldn't work or their client device wouldn't work. And it's become so routine now, not that there aren't still problems, but it's become so routine that people's expectations have changed Mm -hmm. that their machine will update itself or their phone or their tablet will be updated when they're not using it. And when they come back to it, it'll have new capabilities or it'll be more secure. So do you, do you find, um, as, you were just, as you were explaining that, I was thinking of things like massive communication plans and um, notifications and things like that you have to send out to user groups. Do you find that um, there's less of that having to be put together? Or do you find that the stakeholders just don't read it as much or don't, don't need it as much? I would say communications-wise that the... The messages are more targeted than they were in the past. Mm -hmm. So um, none of us are happy with the amount of email we get. Absolutely. So so making that communication a little bit more narrow and targeting it towards people who who can use it most is is a big deal. And oftentimes it's not straightforward Mm -hmm. because uh, you can... Um, over narrow it and you'll miss some people who would have preferred to get the communication. Right. But if you do a broadcast, then there will be a lot of people that you're wasting their time. Yeah. And working in, uh, in it, the university of Washington, um, do you find that there's a, a shift in what I would call push communications to pull communications? So whereas before, as you mentioned, you might send things out to people's inbox or, do a big, um, almost a campaign around a change to an operating system or or upgrade. Do you find that more people are going to a website or to a location to get that information when they need, as opposed to expecting it to come to them? That was actually, that was the suggestion that I, that I made at the meeting today. Um, because so much of this kind of change has become routine now, Mm -hmm. Um, and because we decided that we would not send out big communications to a lot of people about it, what we decided to do instead was to create some documentation on our on their website. Mm-hmm. And if an announcement is needed, then we would target that announcement to particular people who might find it of interest and say, there's a change coming up and it's documented here if you mm-hmm. want to read more about it. Okay. So like release notes. Release notes, instructions, mm-hmm. encouragement, um, frequently asked questions, plans about um, how things work. Yeah. So there's as much detail for people who want the detail if they go get it. Okay. Just as you said. Okay. And so the um, you had mentioned cloud computing, um, which is obviously a huge 
huge thing in the industry right now. Um, how do you think? Uh, it's interesting because when when we ha- when we talk to people, for example, that are coming out of college right now, that are graduating and um, talking to interns, and they've kind of known cloud computing their entire life, um, and yet there's all this attention in companies and in universities that hey, we're moving to the cloud, we're moving to the cloud, we're putting you know our uh, our tools and um, our enterprise, if you will, in the cloud. Do you find that that message is lost on younger people? Is it just sort of uh, hey, this is just the way we do business. And do you find that you still have to explain it to other people across, uh, you know, the wide spectrum of stakeholders at a university, like like we do a lot of times in our work in, in corporations? Along with the changing expectations that we mentioned before, I think that this uh, idea that computing resources will be physically hosted somewhere else somewhere by else. another company is becoming the norm. Okay. And... Um, it's probably been 10 years at University of Washington um, that this change has really taken hold. And I think that it's it's here to stay now. Mm-hmm. So some of the larger projects that are going on right now are retiring of on-premise resources. Okay. Because the cloud resources and the third-party resources are are so much better and cheaper and more scalable and um, they're customizable now in in ways that allow a large organization like the university to take advantage of them of those resources and you recently um, I was reading that you, you all had a very big uh, implementation with Workday. So we did. congratulations on that. That's a big one. It was. That impacts every single person that uh, works at the university, um, including student workers. How's that going? How's that implementation going? I think it's been a month, maybe two. I don't know if I got my dates right, but how's it going? This was a change that was years in the making, as you know. Yeah. And there were a few fits and starts during the go live, mm-hmm. which are which expected. is expected. Absolutely. Um, but I would say that the go live went very smoothly and, um, so smoothly in fact that, um, workday is no longer a topic of conversation. Okay. So it's sort of just the, the word sort of just faded into, uh, into the vocabulary. We've been talking, everyone's been talking about it all the time for years yeah. and now we're not because it's. It's already reliable, and people right. have, have mentally made the switch. Okay. So we have other big changes coming up. We have similar changes coming to financial systems mm-hmm. and student database systems that will be e- equal scale. Right. Yeah, I was reading um, some of the sort of strategic plan that UWIT has going, you know, going forward in the next couple of years. Uh, you certainly all have a lot on your plate. Um, what are some of the things that, as you think about, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, uh, what are some of the things that you're really excited about? And then some other stuff that you might be a little hesitant or knowing that it it might be a bigger challenge for the university. Well, I did mention the, um, other systems that are going to be migrated to cloud resources. And so that is going to take up the next several years. Mm -hmm. Um, in the meantime, we'll continue to make sure that, the Unisys mainframe and mm-hmm. other uh, infrastructure components continue to function the way that they're supposed to. We'll be retiring more services like the university's email system. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in favor of cloud email providers mm-hmm. that are already vastly superior. Sure. And uh, I'm re- interested to see what changes happen in the consumer space that might drive workflows. Um, you know, when we all adopted cell phones, it changed our expectations around technology and it, it changed how we work. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't know when the next the Something. next sea change yeah. is coming. Yeah. So there are a lot of contenders for that, and there's really a lot of interesting going things going on with voice interfaces and uh, 3D holographic interfaces mm-hmm. and voice interfaces with computing that um, may change the way we do things again. Mm-hmm. I was reading yesterday or the day before about... Um it was an article that kind of made the its rounds around LinkedIn and Twitter around um, the AI um, that Facebook had, um, and the he- the headline was that this artificial intelligence chatbot, a set of chatbots, basically started making their own language, um, which which I know it wasn't entirely accurate representation, but as I read it, it was that these sort of AI chatbots found English to be almost too cumbersome and this they tried to make it more efficient. And it, it had me smiling because I immediately tweeted a bunch of friends and said, Westworld is here. <laughs> um, but any thoughts on that? Like, that stuff was not expected, um, as, as some people say. Uh, there's a lot of talk around Watson, around uh, the, the cognitive piece. Any thoughts on kind of that exciting technology in the space that you're in? It is exciting. There's a lot of questions. For example, um, the situation that you're re- referencing, um, those systems were shut down. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the most fascinating um, aspects of AI and how, how effective it is and how it might change things for us um, come up when you talk to an AI researcher and they've implemented a tool that self-trains right. or or learns, learns on its own. Yeah. And they don't know how. Right. So, and they don't know how far it will go. So the sum of the code that's written produces um, programs that change themselves in ways that the original programmers don't understand. Right. So uh, because they work, they can continue to function. But there's a... There's a little bit of uh, excitement there. There's yeah. a little bit of risk there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, who knows what the future holds, but yeah. it's, it's really exciting time to, yeah. to be alive and to be, um, to be exposed to the tools that we have. You know, I'm an anthropology major. I was an anthropology major in, in, in uh, my bachelor's program. And one of the things that was most fascinating to me is how tool use changed mm-hmm. people right. from the very beginning. So our our bodies are adapted to the tools that we use. <laughs> Including these cell phones we carry around <laughs> with us all day. You know, our, our digestive system is dependent on us using, using fire mm-hmm. to sort of pre-digest food. So um, we've always had this relationship with tools that... Um, that serves us really well and allows us to be really successful. But in some ways we serve the tools and we have to adapt to them. Right. And so how will we adapt to the next generation of tools? Right. 
That's that's a that's a question for future anthropologists. That is probably a, a question for future episodes. Um, the other thing I was curious about, you had mentioned, um, you know, sort of three D rendering and holograms and you know virtual realities in there as well. I saw a fascinating um, ad. I believe it was a Microsoft ad um, that that talked about the concept of. Now, envisioning before you bought like a, a piece of land or a warehouse, and you're setting up a store that you could just put the you know the hollow lens on, if you will, and and imagine have it all painted painted in front of you, so that you could do um, essentially prototyping. Uh, is that something that you could see impacting the classroom? I mean, I'm reading a lot about the struggle between getting people to the classroom versus online learning. Um, having taught recently myself, I can see the the push and the pull of online learning versus being in the classroom. Any thoughts on kind of that technology and, and how that might impact universities? That's an interesting one, working for a university. Um, I think that what the technology is enabling now is scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the reason that we're moving to cloud computing, for example, is not because it's inherently better. It's because it scales so vastly that it's incredibly cheap compared to uh, us doing these things over and over in our own businesses, or our own homes, right. just like electricity or plumbing. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the stayed millennium-old academic model is due for a revamp as well Mm -hmm. because these technologies allow scale that wasn't possible before. Right. So for example, um, if I can, let's say your class, what class did you teach? I taught an MBA class on strategy and innovation. So you prepared how many lectures? Um, I think I prepared about 12 lectures. So if you recorded those lectures Mm -hmm. and let's say that you taught the class three more times Mm -hmm. and you took all the video and you edited all your lectures together so that you had a product you were really happy with Mm -hmm. then you made those lectures and those course materials available online right other people could take advantage of that without you putting any more effort into it right and uh let's say that um, some sort of light institution was invented that could handle the accreditation, Mm -hmm. then suddenly that model that could reach millions of people starts to look really very interesting and really kind of compelling. Mm -hmm. So people haven't figured out how to do this. We're we're eating away at the old model around the edges, Mm -hmm. but... We're not certain how this is going to take shape or who's going to be able to do it. So it's really fascinating. And I think that um, some of these tools that we've talked about today may be the ones that succeed in changing the model. Making that shift. Yeah. That that will be fascinating because, as you mentioned, just the ability to scale. So you take... You take your knowledge, you take your assets, if you will, you you sort of do it once really, really, really well, and then it can be used many places, many times, many touch points, um, which goes to the point you made around around cloud and scalability and agility and um, extensibility as another piece. And for a long time. Right. And you could do the same thing with your course materials. So I know... I know um, 
there's a guy named uh, Jordan Peterson in Toronto who's working on this, and he sort of crowdsources the the materials for the test as uh, for the course as well. So one of your assignments might be to write three multiple choice questions. Mm-hmm. So once you've had a thousand people write those questions, you validate them, you choose the best ones. Yeah. You have exactly you have yeah. a library. And you you can do this with other. It's not just multiple choice. You can do this with right. How we might teach people writing, which is more subjective. Um, that it seems like maybe the AI will be involved there. Yeah. How you could teach people nursing, which really requires some hands-on experience. I don't know if the the holographic. Um, Environments will be able to at least yeah. approach some of that, yeah. uh, and maybe maybe people could um, take a nursing course, and it would involve some of the things we've talked about, and then f- for their final, they would show up in person. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because you know you read a lot around the robotics, you know, and the process automation, the AI, and. There's a, there's a lot of discussion around, hey, is it going to replace jobs? Is it going to replace people? And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's that cut and dry, personally. Um, I also feel in some jobs, I'm very fortunate to have a, a job where it requires empathy. And, I, and honestly, in some jobs, you have to have a, you know, in, in the medical world, they call it a bedside manner, you know, um, table-side manner, the ability to, to relate to someone, Um I'm not too worried about a robot replacing me in that aspect, but uh, who knows? It could be a little bit different. Um, so we're down to the last last couple minutes. Um, thinking about the remainder of 2017, which we're already more than halfway through, um, what are some of the things that you personally, um, we talked a lot about it professionally, but you personally are excited for uh, for the rest of the year and next year? And then on the flip side, personally, what are some of the things you're um less excited for maybe a little um and you know a little bit uh hesitant for well uh that's an interesting question so personally um i'm going to relate these to technology as well so um i've recently discovered overnight i enjoy going to the gym Okay. So I'm trying to learn about weight training, and I'm trying to learn more about nutrition. And I've discovered that um, getting a, an audio book mm-hmm. and hopping online and uh, communicating with other people who are interested in this is just a tremendous resource. So the gym that I'm going to right now is a, a basic gym that is provided for employees and it's not staffed. Mm-hmm. So there's no one for me to ask, oh, interesting. but I can take pictures of the equipment and I can go find the manufacturer's website and look at the manual. And then I can ask people what's going on. So in like a user community type, a format. user community, okay. right? Wow. So I find that, you know, I haven't talked to a trainer yet. And I feel like when I do go talk to a trainer, I will already have learned the things I can learn on my own from other people. Much more from informed. Audiobooks and ebooks. Yeah. Um, but I, I, there's no, um, it's a very physical thing, but yeah. there's no, all of the tools that I'm using around it are electronic already. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that and making progress already. Um, and then 
Another thing that is um, a little bit scary but also has potential is that, you know, we're in um, really sort of volatile times politically, but technology is also affecting the way that we interact with each other and the way Mm -hmm. we think of ourselves um, um, as citizens of the world or, or citizens of a nation. And people are asking questions about how is it that we can participate in our mm-hmm. communities locally and a broader scale, and how is it that technology um, can help or hinder that, and what are the risks involved? Yeah. So uh, it seems like that's another area that's really rife with risk, but that there's also the potential for some really fantastic things to happen that are enabled by right. new technology. Right. I mean, just the scalability piece of what you were talking about before. If if you do and you take you take a voice, the voices, and you multiply that by and you put it um, with the scalability, yeah, that does come with some risk, um, but it also comes with tremendous benefit, which I also agree we're seeing a lot more um, access that people have through through the device they carry in their pocket, or as you mentioned, user communities. Um, you know, you take the the power of digital, and you put people together to share opinions on things, and it not only benefits businesses, but obviously uh, academic institutions, um, non government organizations, and and many more. So um, great. Well, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it, Brian. And I hope to have you uh, back on um, sometime next year and we can see if some of these AI slash, uh, you know, uh, VR predictions come true. It's always great to talk with you. And I hope that in a year or two years, we'll go back and listen to this uh, and we'll enjoy it from our flying car. Absolutely right. (laughs) The flying Tesla. Look back and see how antiquated we were two years ago. Absolutely. Great. Thanks, Brian.